And then, Ditto. oh man, oh my god, oh my god, Lisa's so excited. Lisa's well, I'm just, I'm just like, my heart is still heavy because it's heavy oh, yeah. every time I watch this episode for at least 24 hours. So, yes, I'm yeah. wearing black today for the occasion. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Yeah, I, I didn't notice that you were wearing black too because I was like, that is not the typical Lisa denim top, like the blue, you know. Yeah. I didn't even like plan it or anything. I just looked in my closet and I was like, I'm feeling like black today. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Murder Husbands, an in-depth episode by episode discussion of Brian Fuller's Hannibal based on characters from the novels by Thomas Harris. We are Popsicle, a group of like-minded creators who enjoy getting together to have big conversations for big stories. I'm Lisa K. Weber and in honor of this episode, I am painting it black today. Um, as always, I am joined by my equally heartbroken, I assume, Popsicle crew. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, first up, Justin Penniston, writer of Hunter Black and other properties. <laughs> How are you doing today, Justin? Well, you know, if you are painting it black, I am finding myself with sympathy for the devil. So. Oh. I see what we're doing now. Dang. Kelly are- Sue Milano, my partner in Hex 11. What you got today? I am a black magic woman. <laughs> um, our producer, Philip Kelly. How are you? I'm good. I'm I'm dare to be stupid. That was the first song that <laughs> that was the first song that came to my head. So there you go. And wow. Claire Thorne, geeky cross stitcher. Um, what is the, what is your soundtrack today? Uh, you, see, you're putting me on the spot with like trying to think of like it took me a while to even go like oh those are song titles. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm still catching up. Um, I am leather and lace today. Oh, that's a song yeah. title. It's the first thing that came into my mind. Good. So. Go. All right. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> so before we dive into discussion of Mizumono, Philip and Claire are going to take us through a quick recap, courtesy of Kelly Sue Milano. Here we go. Except it's not quick. <laughs> <laughs> the end begins with a dinner invitation signed, sealed, and delivered to Jack Crawford. He and Will discuss how he's actually being invited to his own murder, and Jack goes on about rooftop snipers and wearing a wire. It's so adorable because he thinks any of that matters when Hannibal's in the house. Their discussion is cut against a similar one Will has with Hannibal, ending with side-by-sides of Hannibal and Jack asking Will if when the time comes, he'll do what needs to be done. His answer is a big old yes. Uh, Will heads home to his dogs in an uproar. This dude just cannot seem to ever close his front door. And someone is on his porch, the ghost of fucking Christmas past, Garrett Jacob Hobbs. They shoot an imaginary stage together symbolism (laughs) Hannibal sits beside Bella in her hospital room and together they wax poetic about forgiveness this guy has no shame I'm actually jealous Bella asks Hannibal for another favor that he save Jack for her the way he saved her for him a lot of pronouns in that sentence but it works sorry Bella but this favor is going to go about as far as the last one 
Speaking of failures, Freddie Lowndes is talking to Will about how excited <laughs> she is for her resurrection. Will is like, whatever, just leave Abigail out of it. And Freddie is like, you really don't think you're going to make it, do you? And we cut to Will burning Hannibal's notes on him in the office fireplace. What an idiot. These two are speaking romantically about their plan to run away together in vast mine palaces, some stuff about skulls in Palermo mixed with lots of staring into each other's souls. The mood is totally shattered, though, when Hannibal smells Freddie Lowndes on Will. Hannibal is so visibly hurt, I half expected him to call Will a herp slut and demand receipts. <laughs> After a quick conversation with Alana about how she can't sleep and Hannibal is goading them into a trap, Will heads to Hannibal's for dinner. They speak about transformation and about not knowing the truth of each other. Then Hannibal suggests they oh, run away together, leave food for the dogs and a note for Alana and escape this crazy life. They could just disappear forever together. Will says no. Jack will stop at nothing but justice. The scent of Freddy Lowndes and no, this and now this rejection. Hannibal can barely sip his wine. Back at the FBI, Miranda Hobbs, AKA Cade Purnell, is dressing Jack down, being like, you're out of line, as she explains that if you tempt someone to murder, and they do, it doesn't quite stick. Jack is like, you don't know what we're dealing with. Cade is like, actually I do, and I'm putting you on forced compassionate leave, which interestingly, isn't compassionate. Alana follows up and pleads her case to Cade, who's like, does anyone in the building care about the actual law? Turns out, no. Jack turns in his gun and badge, which means he not only doesn't have backup, but no protection either. Brave. Later, Alana frantically calls Will to tell him there are warrants out for his and Jack's request, arrest. While Will dodges cops at his house, Jack arrives at Hannibal's for dinner. Their conversation is brief, yet heavy with subtext, and Hannibal places a knife down facing Jack. Jack accepts the actual invitation, a fight to the death. The fight commences. There are no words to describe this sequence, so just go watch it. Alana arrives, guns blazing, yells to Hannibal asking where Jack is. He doesn't say, bleeding out in my pantry. He just whispers, in the pantry. Uh, they construct their relationship for a minute, and... Hannibal gives her the chance to escape. Alana aims to shoot Hannibal, but he says he took her bullets. She runs upstairs, reloads, and reemerges only to find Abigail. Abigail apologizes right before shoving Alana out of the second floor window. Hurrah. Will arrives to find Alana on the ground in shock, but alive. He wraps her in a jacket and calls ERT, then goes inside to find the ghost of yet another person, Abigail. He turns to find Hannibal and asserts that he was supposed to leave. We see all of Hannibal's heartbreak, and as he caresses Will's cheek, he actualizes his heartbreak by slicing his stomach open. Will collapses into Hannibal's arms before falling onto the floor. Hannibal summons Abigail and in a final act, slices her throat, killing her to Will a second time. Hannibal escapes into the rain as Will turns his blood-stained cheek to us. I don't know about you, but I'm feeling pretty stabbed through the heart. Ooh. Um, wow. <laughs> so this episode is, um, hands down, it's my favorite hour of television that's ever been put to screen. It is, um, 
every single time I watch it, it breaks my heart into a million pieces. And um, so I just kind of want to like, I am feeling like, because I just watched it again last night. I'm just, ugh, I just have so many feelings. And so I just kind of wanted to um, share in all of the feelings first and foremost, I just want to check in with each and every one of my co-hosts. How are you feeling? How is your heart today? <laughs> the only thing I walk away from this episode with that I literally can't, it takes a while to shake mm. is, um, the look on Hannibal's face when Will shows up and says you were supposed to leave, knowing, you know, that this whole thing was like a ruse. His, the, the performance by Mads, the way that it's shot, the blood from the nose, the actual tears in his eyes, it's just like, talk about being fucked up. Ooh, mm. it cuts me deep so many fields yeah like whose heartbreak did you feel the most because it's like every character had their heart broken mm -hmm. in some way and it's did did you feel Hannibal's heartbreak the most I think so I think that it was for me um the, the first go around it was the first time that I actually got that I felt I was actually seeing his um his his human self mm -hmm. the self that was like I don't think that he in all of his scheming and all of his control and all of his superhumanness that he was taking into account how much pain he was setting himself up for mm -hmm. and I think that that going back to what we were talking about in the last episode where he's peacocking mm -hmm that sort of solidifies it for me because if he wasn't, as I say, high on his own supply, the scent of Freddie Lowndes on Will wouldn't have been as much of a shock. Mm -hmm. And then yeah. this revelation wouldn't have cut so deep. So I think, um, yeah. And I mean, God, I've been there. <laughs> you know, well, yeah. I have fucking yeah. been there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you can just, you really feel, you feel with Hannibal, I think, maybe for the first time. Well, there's, there's a, and we talked about this a couple episodes ago. I mean, he doesn't talk about his sister with people. Mm -hmm. He doesn't yeah. show that vulnerable side of himself that, of, you know, what made him kind of who he is. Uh, and I don't, like you were saying, Kelly Sue, I don't think he, he's ready for those emotions and that trauma that he experienced to be relived again to some degree. Um, and I think that that dredges up all of the stuff that, you know, I haven't seen the, the movie about him being a, a young Hannibal, uh, RIP to the actor who just passed away. Um, shout out to him. Real quick. Leo. I didn't yeah. know yes. that. Yeah. Yes. Skiing accident. Uh, just uh, recently, just the last couple of days. Ago. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so when people listen to this, it'll be a few weeks ago, but, um, yeah, uh, you definitely the same Kelly. So you definitely feel that humanity that maybe he wasn't even 
he didn't, he, I don't think he understood how vulnerable he was making himself until this mm-hmm. moment, until the heartbreak hit. Yeah. Um, because he, he's a pretty closed off dude. <laughs> like he's, a, he's a lot of things but yeah he's very shut down to his emotions he's very closed off he doesn't show that side of himself to literally anybody except for the one guy who just stabbed and him in the back that point and to that point too i think that he the, there is also a layer of heartbreak for him that's like he can outsmart anything yeah and he couldn't outsmart this he couldn't outsmart his heart he couldn't outsmart his heart <laughs> Oh, I love no. her and I killed her. <laughs> I, I will say I was like, when Abigail showed up, my reaction was like, yes, I knew it. Cause I want to point back to like the end of the first season we were talking. <laughs> I was like, I don't believe Abigail's dead. Cause we don't see a body. And you all were like, remember that. you all were like, but there's a lot of blood Phil. I'm like, yeah, I, I guess there's a lot of blood. And um, we were all like, Hmm, that's a very interesting <laughs> observation. <laughs> Hmm, I, what are we supposed weird. to do in that scenario? I don't, yeah, what are we supposed to no, do nothing. when you're like, you don't, I no. bet she's still alive. Yeah, yeah, no, I at I, least I didn't spoil it. I yeah, mean, that's no, true. That's no, 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 you guys have been, you guys have been very good about that. And I, you know, you have to go along with the logic of what the show is presenting you as it goes. So, I mean, you let yeah. little things like that go, and because you don't really know one way or the other. Um, but seeing her again, uh, and then again, seeing that sort of abusive, how, how that sort of abusive nature can control someone um, was, you know, it, it's hard to see moments like that. And they, they save those moments up for dramatically purposeful intent. And it's, it's lovely. It was a really lovely choreographed sequence of events. Boy, howdy was it? Yeah. Um, Claire, um, Justin, you ready to talk about your feelings? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I feel all of those, you know, all of the things that you've talked about, I think also going back to Lisa saying, this is, you know, her favorite hour of television ever. It's that's so well earned in this episode. Part of what I'm feeling when I watch this episode over and over again, or watch this season over and over again, is just that sense of satisfaction of starting with the, you know, like audacious move to like show us the culminating fight scene in the very first minutes of season two. And so we know that that's coming. And then that feeling that sense of just like, when you, when it starts again in this episode, you're like, yes, we, we got there. We we're here. And this is of course how this ended up being here and let's do it. And the fact that you can watch the scene again the second time with just as much horror and engagement and enjoyment is just so good and then where they take it from from there because it you know you you're watching that scene and you're like oh okay this is the this is the peak like if we if we ended right after that scene holy cow it's still i mean fucking amazing but it there's so much more. It's like, oh, just the bottom layer of the cake. And then there's the Alana icing and this Abigail second layer. And the, you know, just it's ah, it's just great. And so it's so satisfying at the same time for the audience because and and jaw dropping. Like I don't, I didn't watch this back, you know, it, during appointment television. You, you know, it was. I can't imagine being like the cliffhanger of 
not being able to move on and find out what's going on um, immediately after this episode, it that must have been torture. Literally, I have no idea. <laughs> yeah, I, I yeah. no idea. Yeah, well, they had announced a third season, so I was like, well, I guess I know maybe we'll survive. We hope, yeah, well. like, yeah, like no guarantees, but maybe I was confident they're totally that changing gears, but yeah. nothing else. I was yeah, with, confident that will survive the inversion and, of storytelling, and this 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 show inverts a lot. Like, it's not just we're going to go into this episode wondering who's going to die. It's we come out of this episode wondering who the hell's going to live. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's like yeah, such yeah. an inversion of a storytelling tool. It's wonderful. They um, because not only have they announced season three, they announced certain things about season three. Oh, gotcha. That kind of meant Will had to survive. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Um, and um. So, you know, Lisa says that this is her favorite hour of television ever. Um, And I don't have a favorite. I have four favorites. This being among them. Yes. And all but one of them, three of the four of them are all season two finales, which is kind of weird. (laughs) Wow. Yeah, yeah. I uh, the the season two finale of the West Wing, two cathedrals, is yeah. one of the best episodes of television anyone ever made. Um, the season two finale of Star Wars Rebels, oh is yeah, maybe the coolest piece of Star Wars fiction ever. Mm-hmm. And um, and then the other is an episode of Next Generation called the the Offspring about Data's daughter. And that's season three, oh, yeah. episode 16. That's not yeah. the same. But anyway, um, <laughs> so my heart, there's so much heartbreak in this episode that it's hard to feel for everyone all the time, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, and yet, you know, when they're happening, when you're watching when they're happening, you do feel them. But there are two that really hit me where I live. Um, one is Hannibal once he smells Freddie Lowndes. And that moment, and that moment was when I texted you back, Phil, mm-hmm. and said, I'm watching episode 13 right now. Oh, I yeah. had forgotten. I had forgotten. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. and that's yeah. what I that's where I was. And I was yeah. like, God damn it. Like that feeling when Hannibal realizes, and there's because it's that sense of, oh my God, I have opened myself up to to, to this person. And they are killing me. They are coming. They are planning to ruin me. Like, and I have sort of felt that way in the past. And it's a horrible feeling, you know, and I felt it. And, you know, it's impossible to watch that and not ask yourself, am I really feeling this way? This sense of, you know, connection to Hannibal the cannibal, you know? Yes. (laughs) Yes. You know, and it's just. You are. (laughs) <laughs> but that's not the worst I feel. That is not where my heart breaks the most. My heart breaks the most when Will realizes what his choices have cost him. Yeah. When yeah. he finds out that Abigail is alive, that Hannibal kept her alive for him, that, and then Hannibal kills her in retaliation or seemingly kills her, because God knows 
nobody stays dead on this show. Jesus. <laughs> um, um, it being faced with the consequences of your choices, even when you thought you were making the right choices, or maybe, maybe more the consequences of your indecision. Mm-hmm. Because if Will had gone guns blazing after Hannibal a little earlier, maybe he would have saved her. Um, that just, oh my God, that sense of, because I don't live in regret about much. You know what I mean? Like regretting the things that I've done. I try to live a life where I don't have to regret things, you know? Yeah. And that, oh, mm. that's just, because that's what regret feels like. Yeah. The it's an interesting uh, question, the idea, the, the question of whether Abigail could have been saved or not I have let's hang on let's put a pin in that because that's what my third question is really going to center around all of the what-ifs so um I so let's put a pin in that and we're definitely going to dive in (laughs) in a minute um but yeah to what Justin was saying about um um about that moment um when Will realizes what Hannibal is about to do with yeah. Abigail and he, he says, says no, Oh no, 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 God. don't, don't do it. And it's just, um, that's yeah. maybe some of Hugh Dancy's best acting in the entire series in that moment too, because mm-hmm. I really felt his, his fear and his desperation there. Yeah. I mean, all of it. All of it. Um, okay, thanks everybody for sharing. <laughs> um, I let's go on to our next question. I really wanted to talk about the visuals in this particular episode um, because, oh my God, it's just wall to wall. Every frame, every stitch of every frame is so considered. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they're the kind of like whammo things like the blood red Freddie Lowndes and the you know treehouse sequence and Alana drowning in the black water um mm. Hannibal stepping out into the rain like there's just so much oh the last breath of the raven stag mm-hmm. like and so I just kind of want to like dive into these visuals and like like the the symbolism the meaning I know Phil you you always like to talk about like the lighting and the angles and so yeah. like let's just have at the visuals in this Love it. I think the first <laughs> oh go ahead Kelly Sue oh no 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 Phil please oh okay I mean obviously that that conversation at the 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 way it was directed at the top is very you know with the two wills coming together mm-hmm. is really wonderful and, and goes back to that uh the conversation we had off Mike, Lisa, but I think I included it a little. I think I included it at the top. Oh one, yeah, you did. With, yeah, uh, the persona. Yeah, thing. the persona thing. Yeah, you get that persona thing again. Um, but the first really striking visual to me uh, was Alana crying, and the tear drop hits the table, and there's blood mixed in. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, oh, okay. Like Alana, you know, you, God, yeah, it was really a beautiful. You want to say these things, there's, there's, there's a really, we talk about the balancing act of this show a lot, and that's like subtle, but also like, like not subtle, <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, and there's a lot of this going on in this episode where there's a lot of subtle stuff, 
at the same time, it's not subtle at all because um, mm -hmm. it's very uh, hyper-actualized. And we've talked, uh, Justin especially has talked about, you know, in a previous episode recently, that this is all from the viewpoint of Hannibal. The show is kind of Hannibal's voice. And I, I feel like that's how Hannibal sees things. Like, mm -hmm. like this very elegant, over the top sort of way, but at the same time, it's very beautiful and artful and subtle. And yeah. that teardrop hitting the table with the little blood mixed in, uh, you know, reminded me immediately of, uh, was it Jesus Christ crying blood on the cross? Like sac mm. there's a sacrifice that's about to happen, you know? Um, yeah. And uh, <laughs> a lot of fucking sacrifices about to happen, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that was yeah. kind of one of those first moments in the episode that grabbed me visually. The visual that I love all that, that teardrop of sacrifice is really kind of hit me in the feels just now. Mm. Um, the visual that popped to me in this, go around with this episode was actually when Jack goes to see Bella in their bedroom. Ugh. Yeah. And the room is like, you know, gray blue. And I was thinking about, you know, juxtaposed with the visuals from Hannibal's home where everything is lush and deep and there's always fresh flowers and all kinds of pomegranate bouquets. I don't even know. <laughs> um, and then you see the, the backdrop of their bedroom is a mural of wilting flowers. Mm. And I was like, holy shit. Wow. That is beautiful and also so yeah. heartbreaking yeah um because it's a gorgeous mural because i was sitting there thinking exactly like you had mentioned lisa like nothing in this show is just sort of like ah, oh, they probably have a nice bedroom here mm. throw some really nice <laughs> restoration hardware in there you know <laughs> um right. and i was like there's a story that's being told in this really short simple moment that Jack mm -hmm. goes to have with her yeah. before going to dinner with Hannibal. And I was like, it had all of the textures of like, this is the last breath. Mm -hmm. And it, I was like, oh, damn. Yeah. I yeah, wasn't I, ready. Yeah. I don't think this show would work as well if the showrunners didn't make this decision to be very in your face as frequently as they are about the symbolism and mm -hmm. things like that, that the visuals, the set decoration, because there's so much complexity in the story. There's so much complexity and paradox in the emotions and your connection to the characters that the audience just needs that relief of here's what you should think about this right now in you know certain cases um it it i think that's very well done and they pace it and dole it out in the right um uh measurements right mm -hmm. you know it's 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 never too much but it's just when the audience needs to be able to have something that that solidifies what they're thinking about a particular scene um i 
I was struck. I mean, all of these visuals are amazing. I think what really comes home for me though, is the choreography of the fight scene with Jack and the <laughs> visual that we have of Mads Mikkelsen mm -hmm. at the end of that fight when Alana walks in and, and his presentation to her yeah. is just jaw dropping and amazing. Um, first, I mean, the, the way, <laughs> the way Jack flips Hannibal, oh, like from his back, like over his head and uh -huh. slams him on the ground. And you think, oh my God, okay, he's out. He's done. He's <laughs> it, that it, it's just next level shit, right? Like mm. it's so great. Um, the, uh, if I think about like something in the series that speaks to the, the physical menace that Hannibal is, I always think of him running at and hitting the door. Like oh, it is, God. it is not a policeman's tactic for knocking a door down. It no. is a, like he's, he's doing it so that he feels viscerally the full, like, just like everything in my body is being thrown at this door right now. And it is, mm -hmm. it, it is an expression of like Borg level, like this is inevitable. Like I am coming Thanos, the Borg, like it's all <laughs> to one there, right? You're like, actually I, reminding me of, um, what is it? Um, Inigo Montoya. Yes. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. That's yes. right. Like it is just, Where it's like, he can't get through this door and he's throwing yes. himself against it. Cause it's like, like you said, it's inevitable. I have to get through this. Yeah. Door. It's, yeah. it's, there is nothing that can stop him in the, it, and there's also a degree of calm in it. And so when Alana walks in and he's, he's, he's been doing that. And then her, his back is to her, which is such a great symbol of like, that's the whole like crux of their relationship is mm. all she has seen is his back. Like he has not, mm -hmm. and he turns around and faces her and his hair is flopped down, which is peak Mads Mikkelsen, sexy, floppy hair. Oh and my God. Not complaining about the view. <laughs> and and there's just blood smeared all over him, right? Like just yeah. like, and the way he talks to her is, oh, is The delivery of in the pantry is oh. like, yeah. every time, every time I'm just yeah. like dead, I died. Yeah. The subtext of which I died is for the 50th time so far yeah. in this episode, <laughs> the subtext of which is like, obviously Alana, obviously yeah. <laughs> you should have known weeks ago. Oh Where do you God. think he is? Mm, yeah. <laughs> so Justin, do you have anything that you would like to dive into on these visuals? Um, I think a lot that I would have said has been said already. Um, I will say that this episode in particular is chock full of, you know, insane visuals. Um, and I use that word very specifically because there are two things at work with Hannibal Lecter. He is an artist, you know, he's an accomplished gourmand chef as well as you know, just a, a balletic, you know, murderer. <laughs> um, 
And so for it to, to be so artsy, the way that they present this show visually is, is very deliberate. It reflects Hannibal. But it's also so hallucinatory. Like the images are the things that like, you know, you think, oh, this is like an addled brain is coming up with some of this stuff, you know? <laughs> and this is also very much a show about mental health and about mental illness and about, you know, insanity. Um, and so those visuals really reflect the mindsets of our two leads, you know, these refined thinkers that are both on the edge of, you know, walking the razor's edge of insanity, you know. Um, there are moments in the series where I think, where it takes me, where there's a, I think it's a step too far. You know what I mean? Sometimes I think the 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 bloody tear, you know, and all the and all the stigmata references that you get out of that. Like I was like, oh, okay, yeah, you know that that was that that felt a touch too far to me. Um, but then, like one of the most overt things, uh, the 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 red, the blood red of her hair of Freddie Lowndes as Hannibal mm -hmm. smells her, mm. that was so effective. And even knowing what I knowing what's going to happen, seeing it again this time, just hit me in the gut. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just like, oh. What do you think Freddie Lowndes actually smells like? What is the actual smell that Hannibal mentioned? He smells like you? someone who once had a career <laughs> editing the fake cancer cure stories for a supermarket. Oh my god! Yeah. It smells, it smells like, like you know like those um, the body sprays that you used to be able to get at yeah. Victoria's Secret. Yeah. Yes. Air glaze. Uh, totally. That's I'm, what I think too, Kelly I, Sue. I'm surprised when strawberries <laughs> and champagne. I'm for sure. I'm oh surprised goodness, when Hannibal yes. sniffed that on Will. He didn't like flinch a little bit. Like, oh god, that again. Like, there's that shit. <laughs> um. <laughs> Thing. And <laughs> I really liked because you know you mentioned in your question the cleansing rain, mm -hmm. and we really see that at its best in the shot where Alana's falling, mm -hmm. you know, and it's so it's, you know glass raining down along with the water, yeah, and like in that moment that is a moment of realization, and that's when the the dirt covering your eyes is washed away. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I really. Mm -hmm. That metaphor and that visual hit me really hard when it happened. Yeah. Um, and that's because cool that's kind of an answer to the black water. Yeah, the black water. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. The, exactly. The, it's all I, clear now. I yeah. my headcanon is that that's the black goo from the X Files. <laughs> um, <laughs> my um, and I'm really struck by how. And I, I don't know, this isn't really a visual, but when you guys were talking about Hannibal and throwing himself against the door, and that's one of my favorite visuals in the whole series, because it's just like this unbridled, you know, he's like, he's like the juggernaut, like he's an un, mm -hmm. irresistible force. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like I don't think we to... have enough references for that now. We got Thanos, juggernaut. You know. <laughs> he is the juggernaut. <laughs> A little bit of Leroy Jenkins in there. Just for fun. <laughs> Leroy Jenkins. <laughs> um, oh God, I love Leroy Jenkins. So do I. Um, <laughs> wonderful. Wonderful. Um, but 
when he stops to talk to Alana and he, and he sort of composes himself, you know, and she was like, you know, and she's like, oh, I was so blind. He's like, well, in your defense, I did work very hard to blind you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, he offers to, he's like, you can get out of here. You can get out of here. You never saw anything. And I will not, and I won't call on you. Which is a direct quote from, I think, Silence of the Lambs. I think, you know, he talks about it when he's tell- talking to Clarice in the last phone call saying, I'm not going to call on you, you know? Mm-hmm. And like, and I'm struck yet again by how much of everything that's come before is repurposed here and reimagined here. And like, I look at the Hannibal Wiki after re- watching every episode and they have this segment, which is like, you know, from books to movies or from books to show. For, and it just shows where all these segments of dialogue came from, like how much of it is lifted yeah. from a book or from mm-hmm. a, a former form movie. And it, and it boggles my mind. And I think I bring that up because it brings all these disparate pieces together which kind of works for the teacup metaphor. Uh, yeah, which we're about to, which we're about to we're dive deep into, into that. Put a pin in it, so, Justin. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you very much for that beautiful segue, Justin. Like, <laughs> or just, let me tell you, like, I'm I, in a I constant, appreciate the assist. <laughs> I'm in a constant state of segue competition with Kelly too. And so I have to, I have to bring it, yep. you know. I like that you we took like your to shot here. Yeah, yeah, it's an yeah, alley-oop for that. sure. It's an alley-oop for sure. <laughs> All right. So um, on that note, we're going to go to break and we will be right back to put some pieces back together. See you in a minute. As it were. <laughs> Welcome back. Um, So we are going to spend this kind of, we're going to start off the second half of this talking about teacups and coming full circle and time and fate and choice, (laughs) you know, just a couple things. Um, So in like specifically in regards to the teacup, because I like I don't know, on this rewatch in particular, I noted from the very first episode of this entire show in Aperitif, um, when Hannibal is talking to Will and he says, Jack sees you as a fragile little teacup, the finest china used only for special guests. And that's when I was like, oh shit. I can't believe they planted the teacup in the very (laughs) fucking first episode of this show. That is... Wow, that's some expert I had that first, level I had shit. That exact same reaction. Yeah. And um, so, and like a lot of this episode is very deliberately like a kind of full circle moment from that very first episode. Um, and um, so I wanted to just kind of start with the when um, Hannibal says, "Time did reverse the teacup that I shattered did come together." And um, like before he reveals, or actually, I guess it's after Abigail's life is revealed to Will. And um, I did some reading and I found this, like some statements that Brian Fuller had made about this particular episode. 
And um, one thing that I like that I just thought was so fucking cool, like the music that plays when Will comes into the house, like when we come back from that break and the rain is falling and Will approaches the house, um, the music that plays is just so beautiful and perfect. And apparently um, what they did with Brian Reitzel, who is the, you know, person responsible for the score of this show, um, took Hannibal's theme song, which is um, Box Goldberg Variations, and slowed it down and stretched it across seven hours. And that's the music that's playing during the scene. And that is all supposed to kind of get at this, like he slowed time so much that he reversed it. And that concept is so fucking beautiful to me. And so I just kind of wanted to like share that factoid and get all of your impressions on it. But then I also kind of, to go back to like what we were talking about in the first half of the show about regret and all of the what ifs and the kind of reshattering of the teacup breaking off all of these other possibilities because I spend so much time re-watching this episode every time asking, what if? What if Will had chosen to run away with Hannibal when Hannibal asked him? Like, what if um, he hadn't gotten, you know, Freddie's smell on him and Hannibal never knew? Like, so many what ifs but they're all broken. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I just kind of like, let's dive in. Let's dive in the teacup. (laughs) I love it. All of it. I love it. I think that um, this question and the way that you posed it and the way that it is um, presented in this particular episode and really just in this show is you have Hannibal Lecter who is larger than life who is seemingly supernatural, who is seemingly in control of everything. And no matter what your, you know, whatever higher power means to you, that there is a force greater that's going to win and is going to set you on the timeline that you are always supposed to live. And I think that that is an element that um, is touched on throughout this show, but really in this episode, which is which I think kind of it sort of dovetails into what I was saying about Hannibal at the beginning, where it's like this is your reminder that you aren't actually the one in charge, <laughs> right? you don't actually get to put the teacup back together as much as you might want to try, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that, um, you know, no matter which choice you make, there's going to be teacups that shatter no matter what. Yeah. Um, and um, it just really, it get it, like this line of thought takes me to like a really existential place. <laughs> that's great. I mean, that's what, that's what, that's yeah. why I've loved this episode so much. <laughs> totally. Where I'm sort of left here being like, well, what is and what isn't? Mm-hmm. No, I know. And I you mean, know? like, 
it gets yeah. so conceptual. Yeah. And the yeah. fact that it's like, yeah, um, fate will decide for you if you don't make a choice. Like, mm-hmm. like what um, Claire was saying at the top is also what I was thinking too about like, Will didn't decide. He didn't make the choice. Like, yeah. he was torn the entire the this entire time he he and you know as the rush song says if you choose not to decide you still have made a choice oh, and love it well the and, thing is, the saddest part about it is that will does make a choice he just makes it too late yeah you know um mm-hmm. will and i'm sort of putting this together right now so bear with Ooh. me nice well no i think that this is me being remedial i think this is me (laughs) realizing some shit that you guys probably already knew Um, give yourself some credit seriously (laughs) i didn't realize that will made a choice until this conversation Mm. like Mm. and i was watching it when i watched it the other night and i was i i i I saw the the mirror you know um because will calls hannibal yeah and says they know mm-hmm. and then later says you were supposed to leave you know mm-hmm. will decides to save hannibal yeah will yeah. decides look they're coming for me uh, you know and he had to be pushed into making the decision you know but he right. made the decision and he was going to go with hannibal yeah. i think you know mm-hmm. and you know and then freaking lisa clad in black says you know what if hannibal hadn't smelled freddie lounge on him you know mm. and it would have come then if if she if he hadn't this all would have come together you know what i mean mm-hmm. and we wouldn't have gotten the other half of the mirror from that first episode you know mm-hmm. which is you know abigail stewart getting cut yeah um and damn if all these pieces didn't really come together like creatively yeah um legit and the weird thing is because i know you know because i've read some stuff too like you know some of these decisions are made on the fly some of them are made or at at the end of the process you know Mm. i mean again abigail wasn't necessarily going to end up you know getting killed at the end of this episode that was a choice they came to at the end when they were like this is really the best way to go. This is the way that hurts the most. You know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. fucking but, writers are fucking cruel. Yeah. Yes, that's yes, interesting yes. to me. That's interesting Word. to me because I think when Will sees Abigail again, his sense of having her back, I think, is a false, it's a mirage. Hmm. Because I think Abigail at that point and probably even earlier in her um what we see last season of her coming under Hannibal's influence right mm-hmm. means that Abigail hasn't been the Abigail that Will is attached to for quite a while in the same way that we can um I think we're supposed to conclude about uh, Miriam Lass is mm-hmm. you know moving forward in time Miriam Lass is not the Miriam Lass that that was there before and the degree to which Hannibal's 
mucking around in her psyche has completely altered who and what and how she will be. Um, that's that's what's going on with Abigail. As I, I well. sort of mm. would argue. I mean, I hear you. There's, you know, there's. Mm. I'm just what saying. You say, but I'm just saying that when Will thinks he's getting Abigail back, and then we get that disappointment of, oh no, he's Hannibal is killing her. It mm-hmm. there was he was never going to be having Abigail back the way that he the the way that the will you know the the high level will I, is I don't wanting. know that I agree with that because I think that Abigail has never not been under the sway of a serial killer. Mm-hmm. You know the Fair Abigail point, that will yeah. fell no, I'm not, in love. But I'm with, not talking about her becoming a killer or being. That's under not what I'm sway. talking about either. What I'm saying is. There's always been someone fucking with her brain. There's always, mm-hmm. I mean, she's always been broken. Her father yeah. literally was like, left her in fear of being killed, just as Hannibal does, and killed other people instead, just as Hannibal does. Mm-hmm. And so, but didn't she may it, not be exactly the same person she was because who is, but neither is Will. You know, I, I feel like the person, the, the, the qualities that Abigail had that Will fell for and felt paternal towards those qualities are completely intact Hmm. except i will say though to your point claire that when i in when i first watched this episode and i saw abigail i was like yeah she dead she's a ghost (laughs) she's i'm like she's she's either a ghost or she's not she's probably not making it out of this oh yeah Mm -hmm. like right and yeah. I, I don't know, maybe I'm not articulating it well because I, yeah, I just don't, yeah, to me, and maybe it's my reaction as an audience member and having that assumption as well, but it, it still, it still feels like that promise and what he thinks he could have if, you know, when he's saying, when he's saying, don't, you know, don't kill her now, don't do it. Um, the hope that's there, I think that that's probably central to what I feel like is the mirage around Abigail and having Abigail back. And I think it goes back to Will's understanding and the conclusion he reaches earlier in which he tells Hannibal, like, you're not going to let me have anything that is not you. So, yeah, and I... I, just in that moment, I think that's one of the most heartbreaking things in, you know, going back to what really broke our hearts in this episode is, is having Will, giving him that just completely hopeless hope. Like it is a, it is a, it's a completely not real, you know, moment of just like hope that he could have something with Abigail that I don't think is there it, it's not a real thing and certainly not something that Hannibal is going to give him like it's it's just well, and Will now. knows it Will know and Will knows <laughs> like I there's no point in my hoping for this it, it's just devastating well I would say Will was never going to go with Hannibal and be himself let alone 
Han- have Abigail be herself. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, if they go with Hannibal, they will be enthralled to him. That you know that that was always the case. So, uh, in that, I agree with you. But I also feel like there's really no in the span of what ifs. I never see an answer really where Will and Hannibal and Abigail live happily ever after because mm-hmm. I don't think that's who. Well, no, I think. Largest part of what Will wanted to see in Abigail was, or what he connected to in Abigail is someone he could save. Mm -hmm. And maybe the mirage there is that he continues to think that that could be the case when much earlier in the story than this, even, I think Abigail is just not, she's not savable. I, I think the reason why I am pushing it back against it a little is because it's not like we spent an episode or a significant chunk of the season with Will planning and trying to save Abigail. Right. That's not what happened. What happened was Will found out she was alive. Right. Just in time to see her actually yeah. die. Well, and, and, and it, it, I mean, it was salt in the wound. It wasn't. Justin, yeah. You said something exactly. just now that was like, that really like gave me a whole new kind of way of thinking about it. Cause you talked about how like, there was no version in any of the what if scenarios. Right. Um, there was no version that would have let Will be himself. That makes me, it makes me repaint what Hannibal did as this kind of, especially because he says, I forgive you before killing Abigail, that it's this, that it's not a closed door he's not closing a door. It's like that maybe he is leaving something open for Will to come back to him, mm-hmm. but be honest and be truthful to who he is. So, huh. Well, wow, I'm thinking about that. That's the one big thing Hannibal says before all this goes down is like, oh, so, okay, we're going to give the truth here. We're going to, and I, I think that's like the final sort of declaration as to how Hannibal's going to handle this whole mm-hmm end event this final court sort of series of events um like if everybody wants the truth about who i am all right here we go and you're going to see what that's going to get you like uh, uh sometimes the truth isn't necessarily <laughs> the best thing right uh, never in this show like I, no. not one time am i <laughs> no um, see because i don't um in my mind i didn't see will graham as having made a decision that he would have gone with i think when hannibal says to him just before gutting him when he says well we we couldn't leave without you the look on will's face is like oh like i could possibly still make this decision i could i could go with you right now you see that look on will's face there's a moment and i don't think i i don't know if he had again i I think he's more been more indecisive than i don't think he had ever made the decision to go away with hannibal I don't see that as a sort of decisive thing that he. Had well, he certainly made the, he certainly made the decision to let Hannibal get away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think there would that that can certainly be argued. And I for. don't think I don't think if Will made that decision, here's the reason why I think he did feel like he was trying to meet with Hannibal, hmm. because if Will told Hannibal to run, why didn't he then just let himself get arrested? He he himself was going on the run as well. And where did he run? He ran to Hannibal. Mm-hmm. You know, so 
Well, I, I, I mean, I don't think. I mean, maybe I think, he was just I running think, to try to save Jack. I or, think, but, yeah, I think know. there's more going on than just running to Hannibal. I think Jack's in trouble and he cares about Jack. I, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't think Will is that far gone to not care about the people that he cares about or just to let people that he cares about die in that sort of way. Um, I think he genuinely goes there to get Jack out of trouble and to help <laughs> and to be helpful. Yeah. Yeah, not just to be part of the chaos. Um, yeah, like I, I, and I, you know what? Because when I was watching this the first time, because I've only watched it once, so um, when he calls Hannibal and says they know, it felt like to me that that was just another push to do what you have to do. You know, kill who you have to kill, be who you are, so that way we can. You know what I mean? So that, that oh, step no. towards step, that step no, towards truth. I felt because... that the first time I watched it too. So I, I mean, yeah, I, I'm, that's how I felt. The but first, that's, that's not how I feel sure. now in subsequent viewings. Sure. So wait, I just want to be clear. So you mm-hmm. you read that um, the phone call as um, him saying to Hannibal, they know Jack. Do what, Jack knows do what. But no, but I mean, like, but as him saying to Hannibal, do what Garrett Jacob Hobbs did when you called him and said they know. Yeah, exactly. Like you now, I, I think this entire episode, Will is pushing Hannibal to show and reveal himself. When they're sitting at the table, Hannibal's like, we could just go away. I think if Will wanted to go away and he was certain of that, he would have done that. But the thing is, but, Will no, wasn't certain. Right, exactly. He's not certain until the point. FBI shows up to arrest him. That's why I, yeah. I think he got pushed and he made a decision then. I'm going to. And the to fact that it's Hannibal. like when Hannibal steps behind Will in that final scene, and Will turns around and says, "You were supposed to leave." Mm-hmm. I think that to yeah. me, to me, it made it it colored that phone call in the way that no, I wanted you to escape. And I wanted you to leave. Right. So I really I'm, did. I'm I'm not necessarily disagreeing with that, but there's a, but I I also think at the same time that he wanted everybody to know who the Chesapeake Ripper is. I still think there's that, like you can get both. Oh, well, I, at that point, I, I he, think... at that point, he absolutely would have had it both ways because yes. at that point, everybody, I mean, like at this point, it's like people know, the FBI knows they yeah. were coming to arrest Even both Katie Purcell knows. She's yeah. just, you know, not willing to take Hannibal that way. Right, right. Because uh, there, there's right. one, one thing that I was kind of referring to uh, in our last episode is when Will's response to Hannibal's, you know, we could just go right now is no, we have to show Jack who you are. That is a very deliberate thing that he says that I, I think that is a part of everything that. I I think we're, I think we're pretty much all saying, we're all saying the same thing. I think you're, yeah, I I think (laughs) because don't you wish you had a very blatant symbol right now to make this all very (laughs) clear for you. This is what I'm saying. Yeah. And so I I guess what I'm saying is that I don't think he made the decision to go with Hannibal until that moment when Hannibal's like, we were waiting for you. And then you see in his eyes, like, oh, wow, I can still go with you for like a brief second. You see, will kind of open himself up to that idea. I think what he's opening himself up to is understanding what that meant because he didn't know until that moment that Abigail was alive. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's the realization that he's, you know, coming to because sure. 
here's the thing. If he went to Hannibal's house to save Jack, that almost doesn't make sense because by the logic that he calls Hannibal in the same way Hannibal called Garrett Jacob Hobbs, he's telling Hannibal to kill Jack. And there's no way, I mean, I'm just going to call it, you know, this is, there's no way that Will's going to get from Wolf Trap, Virginia to Baltimore, Maryland in time to save Jack. You know what I'm saying? That's not. Well, I, I think it's just to put into motion the plan that they already have. Like the FBI knows you need to do what you're going to do kind of thing. Like you need to actually attack and kill, try to kill Jack. But I, Jack, yeah, Jack is obviously going into it knowing that that's the setup at this point. Uh, no, well, I, yeah, I think that, he told. Yeah, they know I think it's he, a final showdown. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna step in, y'all, um, because yeah, this the great thing about this show and this episode is that it's art, and art can be seen many different ways. <laughs> mm-hmm. It can be interpreted yeah. in so many ways. And on that note, let's do an exquisite corpse. I'm gonna hand it over to Justin to lead us through this work of art. This, like the previous episode, is an atypical episode of Hannibal. This is not an episode where we have a body left behind by a serial killer. Um, Although at this point, it might be typical of the atypical episodes <laughs> right. of Hannibal. Um, and this, I think this is very much an on the face of it, exquisite corpse. Um, the theme of this episode is seemingly heartbreak. Everyone ends up, you know, with a broken heart in some way or another. Um, and no one's more obviously or more, you know, prominently than Hannibal's heart is broken. Um, And Hannibal had this plan to give something to Will. He was going to give Abigail back to Will. And when Hannibal realizes that he has been betrayed, uh, that he has made himself open and been betrayed, he wants to get back at Will in you know the most emotional way possible i mean he truly his murder in the end of abigail is it's it's one of emotion it's a, it's a vengeful killing it's not you know one of his typical murders i mean he loved abigail himself um and his choice to cut her throat, the writer's choice to have her cut his throat. I mean, we use the word cutthroat to mean that someone is doing something viciously, to mean that someone is doing something cruelly. And that is very much, Hannibal is being cruel at even at at his own expense. He is being cruel to will he is hurting will he is punishing will it is symbolically a cutthroat act you know and i think it just so happens that that's also a perfect mirror for 
what happens to Abigail in the very first episode where her throat is cut by her father. Um, I don't know. I find it hard to believe that they planned all of this from the first episode. I think it's really one of more of those, you know, finding the work that you, you know, building properly on the ground that you've laid. Mm-hmm. Um, did everyone here see the post-credit stinger? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, Cause I, I, in reading about this episode, there was a version of the story where it was Abigail on the plane with Hannibal oh. and not mm-hmm. Bedelia. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Wow. You know, so, you know, it wasn't planned exactly this way from the beginning. There were there there were versions of the story where you know things go differently. Um, but Abigail's exquisite corpse is it's a weapon to be used against Will, and I think the manner of her death is you know is the manifestation of that. Um, and then my last piece of trivia is that. As far as Brian Fuller's concerned, the horrifying thing that Beverly Katz sees in Hannibal's basement is the living Abigail Hobbs. That's actually, I was wondering, as I was walking around the other night, I'm like, you know what? I think I know what Beverly saw. It was Abigail. That was my exact thought after I was walking around after the episode. I mean, it's not wow. something that will, you know, that's just, I mean. That's never even occurred to me. me Brian either. Fuller, that's, that's how he, he said as far as he's concerned. Yeah, because mm-hmm. they never had to determine it. They never bothered to. In the books, wow. much Brian. is made of the fact that the cops who got into Hannibal's basement after he was arrested were traumatized beyond belief by what they saw. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. when they did that with Beverly initially, it was just to reflect that. I mean, I always kind of assumed that it was, you know, bits and pieces of Eddie Izzard, but. No, after. <laughs> yeah. I, well, probably uh, that too. I mean, all Brian of it. Fuller, you and I are on the same wavelength because uh, that, that was my thought so you and, you and i man there's also like i don't know if this falls entirely under the purview of exquisite corpse but there's a real theme with hannibal and you know you kind of said it earlier if you don't see a body that don't mean they're dead right you mm-hmm. know and that was true with miriam lass that was true with um abigail mm-hmm. um it was true with and it was even true for a while with um, Eddie Izzard, whose character's name I don't recall yeah, right. now. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's, you know, it, it's Hannibal's MO, you know? Mm-hmm. It's interesting so. to me, the interchangeability of Abigail and Bedelia, because I think this helps solidify for me what I feel about Bedelia what I suspect, but I don't think we'll ever really know. Like, I don't think we're ever really going to be in Bedelia's head completely and understand her, the full extent of her motivations and how twisted and skewed that they are. Because I think both she and Abigail are in the same place, having been influenced by Hannibal in terms of they are both accepting of the idea of what they get from Hannibal and that they still accept that while also having being under the full knowledge of this person is going to kill me at some point. 
I think that's part of what Hannibal does is make people accepting, influences them, manipulates them, um, manufactures relationships that are, that have that element to them. Um, I disagree with me entirely. No, 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 no. <laughs> I, I am seeing it through a different lens, I think, because I don't see Bedelia, even though it, what I just said, when I see Bedelia, I don't see a reflection or I don't see her similarities with Abigail as much as I see her similarities with Will. When I no, see they're... Bedelia, I think she is the proto-Will. Hannibal already did to her what he was currently doing to Will. And she is going with Hannibal because Hannibal is settling for yeah. his prototype instead of his masterpiece. Yep. Yep. Yeah, that's. I'm not to... saying you're wrong. I'm that just saying that's what to... I see. But that speaks mm -hmm. to Hannibal's motivations. Right. I don't I don't think I don't think Abigail is far removed from that though. If oh, well, if Hannibal truly loves Abigail and that's one of the first thing he does with her is make her like take her from being a passive murderer to being an actual direct murderer. I think Abigail is just a younger like version of Will and Bedelia as well. Like if if Hannibal could maybe he would he would they do the same thing with it they don't surprise him the way will does that's why mm -hmm. i'm 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 i oh, yeah. i, I, I kind of align more with this proto theory though i do also see what yeah. you're saying uh, I, yeah. I, I see um, and and i would go so far as to say abigail and bedelia are trying to survive and will is trying to win right and those and, those are the and, and those will, are the big differences there. Will will not. And yeah, I absolutely agree that Will is the epitome of what, like if, if Hannibal's going to choose out of, you know, what's given to him, it's absolutely going to be Will. But also Hannibal can't, you can't have a relationship with Hannibal for either one of those three characters, any one of them. Yeah. Without, without having psychologically come to the place of accepting the idea of death. Like you have to embrace it. You have to embrace it. Yeah. And that's one of the things that's also just heartbreaking about Abigail is that the moment of her death comes and she steps willingly. She doesn't run. She doesn't, she doesn't express surprise. She, she, you just get like sorrow, but like, oh, okay. It's the times now. Okay. Yeah. I've, I've known this yeah. is going to happen for does... Yeah, it's the nature of the show to embrace mortality. It's mm -hmm. the nature of, the, I mean, it's, like I said, it's why I love this show. It's why I love this episode. Um, but anyway, um, that was all, that was all great. Thank you very much for that exquisite corpse, Justin. Can I leave um, you guys with one question? Oh Just, God, here we go. <laughs> does, this, does, this, does this expose Hannibal in, in his way as a hypocrite? because Hannibal rails against the fact that Will is trying to take his life, you know, and Hannibal doesn't want that. Yeah. Save, you know? save that for the season wrap up. 
Let's yeah, see, we, we, we have got a lot because it's up. like we have yeah. a postmortem. Okay. Hold on to so that I, question. I have a definitive yeah, just, opinion about that. Yeah, I'm ready to go. That's something to think about. Yeah. yeah, because yeah, we've already we've already gone long here. Um, so it's a good question. Um, <laughs> teaser, come back. <laughs> so come back for the season two postmortem, and you'll hear exactly. Our answers to we that. all the stuff we didn't talk about here, we'll talk about there. Um, so we will move on now to a recommendation. From Kelly Sue, if you had your heart broken by Mizumono, what else might get your heart broken? Kelly Sue, take it away. I do have a recommendation, and it is unexpected, but I think of this movie when I watch this episode. And the movie is Joe Wright's Pride and Prejudice. Um, and the reason that I want to recommend this film alongside this episode of Hannibal is one, after watching this episode, you need something to make your heart feel good. So number one, (laughs) and number two, um, you know, Joe Wright is an amazing director, especially of films like this. And there's a very similar style and attention to detail where every single frame is telling you information about what's going on. The dialogue in this movie is very minimal. Um, And there are so many beautiful moments between Elizabeth Bennet and Mr. Darcy, of course, Elizabeth played by Kira Knightley, Mr. Darcy played by the tremendous Matthew McFadden. Um, and so much of their love story is told in the moments where nothing is said. And I feel that so much of the story that we get in this episode of Hannibal is in the moments where there isn't a lot of dialogue. It's in the looks and the glances and the visuals and the symbolism. So go watch Joe Wright's Pride and Prejudice from the year 2005, um, especially after watching this episode. And I mean, obviously I could draw the parallels of, you know, the romance and the love story forever and all time, but you can put those pieces together yourself. All right, and that wraps up this discussion of this amazing episode. And nothing can wrap up that discussion. There's no wrap up. No, I know. That's why we're going to be back next week for the season two postmortem. Um, so tune back in for all the leftover thoughts that we have (laughs) Um, if you liked this conversation be sure to like and subscribe to popsicle on spotify apple podcasts or wherever you may listen new episodes of murder husbands release every tuesday where next week we'll have our season two post-mortem like i just said Um, our other ongoing show that episode was in which we've discussed why the last man and the sixth season of expanse are all up and ready for you to 
enjoy. We may do another one soon, so stay tuned for that. Um, you can always help us by subscribing, sharing, and leaving a nice comment. Um, follow us on Popsicle Pod on all social media platforms or sign up for our super active newsletter at popsiclepod.com for all upcoming and ongoing podcast and related info. That's Popsicle Pod, P O P S K L P O D. Until next time, happy hunting. This has been a Popsicle Podcast production.